Okay, everyone, it's Matt here, just answering the questions that came through on the SMS line yesterday. There were four, and thanks for the many cards and encouragements uh, and texts um, about yesterday's sermon. I really appreciate it. First question was, in light of Romans 13 too, should Christians engage in protests against the government? I think we live in a society where we're really blessed where we can disagree with our government and we can show that in various ways. Uh, I think it's you know, totally fine to write letters to your local member and engage in the political process uh, in ways and I'd always encourage that communication to happen uh, with a heart of honour and respect for those who are in authority as per Romans 13. I think when it comes to protests against the government, again, I think that can be done well in our society. So I've seen Christians organise marches, you know, along North Terrace and things before to Parliament House over various issues they felt passionate about and were good ones to raise with our government. I think when I've seen those organised well, there's meetings beforehand, there's clarity on the purpose and aim, there's appropriate uh, communication with the authorities before we do that, both in terms of government and police, just to make sure people are safe, but also understand the heart of why that uh, protest uh, or march uh, is happening. So I think they can be done really well. Obviously, there's other groups that organise uh, protests not so well, including sometimes Christian groups, of course. And I think that protests that happen in a kind of a tone of, um, you know, uh, disobedience and dis, uh, disrespect uh, can be quite harmful to what we're trying to achieve. And, you know, uh, uh, I think you do, you are then at risk of falling foul of the, the clear instructions of God's word in Romans uh, 13. So I would think if I was at the stage where I went to a, in a political rally or a march or something like that and it fell into a tone of being disrespectful or you know someone rocks up like they did the other day with some uh, gallows um, <laughs> to a march here in Adelaide you know with the implication that Stephen Marshall should be hung um, I think I would leave the protest at that stage because it's no longer happening in a way that I think shows honour and respect uh, to those in authority. So I think there's some protests we should not be part of, but that it can be done well. And it's usually around communication, clarity, uh, tone, and having a heart of honour and respect as we protest um, something that might be happening in the political realm. Question two then was, could many of these examples of no government, referring to my sermon, not also be equally descriptive of historic bad governments, e.g. Stalin, uh, the Nazis? God forbid we see a resurgence of such totalitarian regimes in the West. How do we respond to governments intentionally perpetrating horrific injustice as a matter of policy? I think very much, um, you know, down the lines of answering the first questions, I think we need to talk a lot together as Christians in the local church and not just kind of run off to people online who agree with us. But if we're going to be thinking about being disobedient to a government law intentionally, I think it's a great thing to engage in uh, with good conversation, wisdom and prayer uh, in the local church. But I certainly think there is room for that. Uh, in, in certain uh, instances. I think what this question is um, uh, putting forward though is way down the spectrum of things that are in, you know, as the question says, governments intentionally perpetrating horrific injustice. 
Uh, I think the clearer the injustice is, and very much many that I'm sure the person who asked this question is envisaging, uh, the quicker we can be to come to the conclusion that it's a right thing uh, to, you know, protest, um, to be engaged, you know, in some cases in civil disobedience, uh, in not following um, uh, governments if they are intentionally uh, doing these things. I think a great person to read uh, on this, if you want to engage in it further, is to look at something someone like Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, during World War II, uh, the Hoff as I lovingly refer <laughs> to him as. Um, you know, without having read everything or knowing every decision he ever made, uh, I think there's someone who ver thought very carefully uh, about disobe disobeying, uh, disobeying governments, and in this case the Nazi regime, uh, in a way that sought to honour God and was very other person centred, you know, essentially putting yourself at risk uh, for the sake of the vulnerable and uh, seeking to protect those who we know God very much has a heart for, um, you know, the poor and the vulnerable, and in this case, um, wanting uh, to protest uh, the horrific uh, treatment of the Jews under the Nazi uh, regime. So I think there is space to do that. The overall guideline is the, the less clear that is and the more kind of moderate um, the thing we might be, be wanting to protest, I think we need to be slow to come to a decision of uh, civil disobedience. The clearer it is that it's a horrific injustice, I think we can move to that position of civil disobedience uh, much more quickly. Question three was, is it wise for Christians to join political groups that aim to protect Christian values? Is it possible to do so without getting on a purity spiral? Uh, again, I think this is a, an issue of wisdom. I think we have uh, the freedom uh, to join such groups as part of our uh, democracy and the part of the way our government uh, works. Um, I guess, and this is just a personal reflection, I've always really struggled with a lot of those groups because in reference to the sermon, and if you haven't listened to it, you'll have to go back and listen to understand what I'm saying here. I think a lot of those groups um, often come across with a tone that haven't quite understood the movement from second culture to third culture and seem to be advocating for a return to second culture values uh, when society is moving the opposite uh, way. And often in the tone that they do so, it comes across in a uh, sometimes defensive, sometimes a bit grumpy about losing the culture wars, as, um, as some people use the turn of phrase. And I think they're not really operating in a way that is both wise in terms of what outcomes it's seeking to achieve. Like, is it realistic to be able to politically protect um, Christian values? Uh, if I realise that's a loaded term, by the way, so I'd want to qualify that and depending on what you think I mean when I say that and what you actually mean. So um, chance for more discussion there. But to take the question as is, um, you know, if gospel-hearted, Bible-believing, um, sitting under the authority of Jesus' disciples are 7% of the population in Australia, say, um, how much are we going to be able to uh, achieve those political outcomes when culture is increasingly defining itself against that sort of second culture which had at least a nominal place for God? 
I think probably fairly unlikely, um, but also too I read it, I, I think about these things in the context of what's the tone, what's the way people are communicating, uh, are they committing themselves to a, a fruitless task and kind of uh, in the way they're interacting actually making our mission to share the good news of Jesus harder uh, with people or are they aiding that? So I reckon if I could find a group that really understood the second, third culture movement and was seeking to graciously, winsomely, articulately kind of engage in that in ways that really helped us with our mission, I'd be much more on board with joining those groups. Um, personally, and based on very little interaction, I might say, I haven't seen that uh, here in Australia. So I'm not personally, you know, kind of drawn to that. I do think it's an issue of freedom. And I do think uh, if you're going to do that, um, just be mindful and be the people encouraging, you know, good, respectful tone, uh, you know, winsomeness, clarity around the gospel and actually having a loving heart for people driving your actions, not being a heart of kind of fear or defensiveness uh, driving the way that group communicates. Is it possible to do so without getting on a purity spiral was the second part of that question? Yeah, of course it is. I think, you know, the main thing is being aware of purity spirals to start. So hopefully the sermon was helpful with that. Uh, you know, you, you might be able to interpret then if you're going for a more nuanced perspective or uh, have some divergent thoughts to that group. You might get kind of punished or excluded from that group if it's caught in a purity spiral. At least you'll understand what's going on there. I would try and call that out if I was as part of that and, and urge people to kind of um, uh, to try and help people get perspective on what's happening with the purity spiral thing there. Uh, but just being aware of it. And again, having people that you know and who know you, that you trust, ideally in the local church, who you can keep talking with, keep catching up with a beer or coffee uh, with, I think that's really helpful in, in not in protecting yourself from getting caught on a purity spiral. Final question, how should Christians decide on which political party to vote on at an election? Uh, I think... I think it's complicated. I think Christians, for various reasons, could find um, good reasons to vote for probably a fairly wide range of political parties. I think it's good to acknowledge up front that um, there is, as far as I can see in Australia, no one who perfectly represents uh, the kind of the Christian worldview in a, a loving, gracious, gospel-centered way uh, in our political sphere. So I think recognising that whatever you uh, party you're trying to choose to vote between, they're going to be, it's going to mean signing up for some things, not signing up for, but just sort of acknowledging that there'll be parts of their party platform that you probably won't agree with. Um, so, you know, some of the more left political parties uh, here in Australia probably reflect more of Jesus' heart for, you know, mercy and compassion and uh, care for the vulnerable than some of the political parties on the right. Um, but of course, uh, in our system, uh, those same parties will also probably be pushing uh, some ideas on that run against the Christian uh, sexual ethic, uh, for example, amongst, amongst uh, perhaps probably a few other ideas that you wouldn't want to sign up for. So you're sort of thinking, okay, well, um, this party might reflect uh, a right and godly concern for these areas, but actually not on the other. I think realising that most parties uh, have probably some of those challenges kind of built in. So if you were to push 
um, further to the right in the Australian uh, political scene. Uh, one of my concerns is that there's a lot of parties on the political right that are um, seemingly trying to gather the, um, for want of a better term, conservative vote, and they're seeing Christians potentially as part of their base. So they're trying to push into some of the areas that Christians might identify with. But often the leaders of those parties are wanting the conservative vote without actually wanting Christ or to be operating in a Christ-like manner. I think that too is a, a serious uh, kind of compromise that you need to be aware of if you are thinking um, of voting that way. So um, I think it is really hard to work out how to who to vote for. I would encourage most people to kind of try and diversify their list of concerns. So uh, traditionally Christians have thought or have you know, been interpreted or seen in the public sphere to be focused entirely on something say like abortion or Christian sexual ethics, both of uh, which things I think Christians should be concerned about and should factor in uh, to their voting. Uh, but um, often then people find uh, themselves voting for, you know, those things often come at an expense of, say, uh, care for the environment, care for the vulnerable, uh, you know, speaking in a loving and gracious tone uh, to communities. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be trying to, um, to be think encourage people to think through a wider range of interests. And I, I, probably the overriding principle uh, I'd love more Christians to adopt is to be voting in an other person-centred way, not just thinking, what do I get out of this? What's it going to mean for my finances, my business, my tax, and things like that, as well as um, you know, Christian ethical issues. But to be thinking what's the best for the broader range of society and you know, with a priority on um, caring for those who are vulnerable in our community. So whether it's victims of domestic violence, the poor, you know, there's, there's a whole range of, of ways um, that people are vulnerable in our society. And I think, you know, just having a heart of love for God's world, a real love for people, and wanting to vote in a way that's less about you, but more about um, you know, those wider range of issues, particularly with a focus on uh, the vulnerable, uh, I think they're good ways to go. So again, in line with the sermon yesterday, I think we're trying to set the, ground, the framework where people feel that we can have freedom, we can treasure our unity in Christ, and you know, someone on the far left at church could be chatting to someone who might be on the far right of politics, to be engaged in civil discussion, to both realise our unity in Christ as our most precious thing so that we have you know, freedom to ask good questions and to listen and to gain a wider perspective. I think that can be a really helpful thing and a really helpful culture to have in a church as we try and figure out who we're voting for, particularly as we're going into an election year, both on state and federal level. Uh, next year in Australia. Anyway, hope that's helpful. Uh, feel free to uh, chat uh, more at church. And if any of these things touch on things that are really kind of precious to you, or you, uh, there's something you misunderstand, feel free to just to have a, yeah, I think a, a conversation over the phone for 10 or 15 minutes. You can cover a lot of ground. Catching up for a coffee or a drink for an hour, you can cover a lot of ground. Um, email, I think, is a very imperfect form. It takes an awfully long time. It's open to a lot of misinterpretation. So if there's something you're really passionate about, please give us a call. Um, 
um, please organise a catch-up and I think we can uh, model well looking after and listening to each other and um, widening our views and understandings of what's going on in society because there's lots I want to learn and I'd love everyone at church to have that kind of learning mindset and listening, good conversation, grace shown towards each other and um, yeah, working out to how to engage in the political process well together as a local church family. Thanks for your time. We'll hopefully see you again soon at church.